Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Everybody say it with me, back to the basics. Try it one more time. That was lame. Come on, back to the basics. And we're going to have fun. We're starting a brand new series tonight entitled Back to the Basics. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Book of Acts chapter 1, verse 12. And I want to encourage you while you're, while you're turning there, hey, we are starting a 21-day fast starting on the 9th of this month. I hope you're ready. I, I, I hope you're ready. <laughs> but hey, I got some good news for you right now. Our King Central app, uh, because the King Central app was uh, actually our, our Oahu app, but we, uh, we gave it to the global church. And so we are now revamping the King Central app, and you'll be able to use that for all the churches. We're going to have a global directory, uh, locations near you where you can find a KC near you. You can give to your location. But the thing that I'm the most excited about, and we're going to start it off just real simple because we're going to build it around this season of prayer, is you're going to be able to join us on our 21-day fast and have daily devotionals, uh, which is going to be absolutely wonderful. But we're also on there creating a page where if you have a praise report or a prayer request, you can put it on right then immediately, and it's going to go to a, a spot where we're going to be having people pray for you all the time. We're going to be still posting in all our early morning prayer meetings, but this is the cool part. We're going to be able to start sharing globally what God is doing in the church through our testimonies, and it's going to be amazing. So please, if you haven't downloaded the King Central app, do it as soon as you can. It'll be a blessing. It's going to be ready, completely ready by Monday. So when the moment you push the pray button, boom, you're going to get to get those devotions. And so it's going to be really good. How many of you guys are still praying for Dr. Morocco? All right. I hope so. Well, hey, tonight, um, I'm going to minister this word and then we're going to pray for everybody because I really believe that God wants to do some profound things in this place, but I just felt the need to build faith first. You know, without faith, we don't get to take hold of anything that God has for us. Every, every gift that God has for us, everything that the Lord has for us requires faith. And tonight, I just feel like God wants to build our faith. How many of you say, Pastor, I could, I could use my faith to get built up a little bit. Come on. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Here we go. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew. And Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you anoint this word, anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. Holy Spirit, we need you in this moment. Lord, I pray let the words that come out of my mouth be your words, inspired by you. And Lord, I pray let faith arise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. As we're looking at this series, Back to Basics, there are certain things that happened in the early church. And of course, here we arrive 
in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, this profound moment where here Jesus tells the disciples, I need you to go wait for the enduing of my power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts chapter 1. And their response to Jesus' instructions is they went away together and they prayed together and they sought the face of the Lord. And if we want revival, a lot of people want revival in their homes. They want revival in their families. They want a revival in the church. But revival requires prayer. I'm going to say that again. Revival requires prayer. If you want to see healing in your family, a family that prays experiences miracles. And so if there's anything that we can establish as we're going back to the basics, it is a strong prayer life. See, the disciples knew what was required. It was to seek the face of the Lord. It was to, to pray. But I want to deal with something first before we really get into the meat of this message tonight. Is that number one, I want us to deal tonight with the issue that prayer is a gift from God. I want everybody to write that down. Prayer is a gift from God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, now listen to this, this is profound. Because this is going to set the stage for our entire message tonight. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, everybody say the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. Everybody say Jesus is the curtain. You know that curtain that used to separate Man from God and the Holy of Holies, Jesus became the curtain. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. He is the way to God the Father. It says, by new living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for we, for he who promised is faithful. So what do we see there? We see, number one, faith, that, that prayer is a gift from God. But you have to understand something, prayer has a price. What we see very clearly is that the, the privilege that we have to pray, that prayer, that gift that God's given you came with a price. That price was the blood of Jesus. And unfortunately, we have cheapened prayer. We don't fully understand the magnitude of the price or the cost of prayer. Prayer was given to us by the blood of Jesus, the life that Jesus laid down, that by his stripes were healed. That's awesome. But you got to understand, the sacrifice that Jesus paid, the price he paid, gave us the privilege to pray. Friends, we got to get, we got to revalue prayer. We got to come back to understand the true magnitude and the value of prayer. That it's a, we've cheapened it so much to say, "Oh well, just prayer is communicating with God." It's more than that. It's so much more than that. Prayer is access. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is revelation. I mean, it, prayer is. There's so much to it. Let's not cheapen prayer because we just say it before we eat a meal. 
I'm all about praying for your food, especially when you eat at some places. You're like, oh, Jesus, you better have a revival service to eat that hot dog. (laughs) We need to revalue prayer. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I want you to hear this. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. What, what does that say, Pastor? It says that this boldness that has been given to us by the grace of God, that we can actually come before the Lord. We can come before the Father, that Jesus made a way for us to have access to God by his death and by his resurrection. When you wake up tomorrow morning to pray, don't make it just some cheap exercise. Don't take it for granted anymore. Don't, don't take prayer for granted. Realize that it is very costly. It costs Jesus his life. To give you access to God, that you can actually have audience with God, cost Jesus his life. Wow. Think about that. Think about the value that Jesus put on prayer to give you audience with God. That to me, see, that, that puts, puts such great value on prayer that now I'm like, man, I just, I can't wait to spend time with God because obviously Jesus saw it necessary to, to, remove, to remove that which separated us in the presence of God to give me access So when I talk to God tomorrow morning, it's not going to be just this, oh, well, you know, God, I just help me today, Lord. I've got to realize, wow, I have audience with the maker of heaven and earth. So tonight, can I, I want to give you four key, four keys to effective, an effective prayer life. We have to understand, of course, the value, the incredible, immense, immense value of prayer. But I want to give you these four keys to an effective prayer life. Are you ready? Now, I understand that our global senior pastor is probably one of the most foremost um, uh, pastors or preachers, communicators in the world on prayer. The man preaches on prayer once a month. You may not know that, but he preaches on prayer once a month. Maybe in different forms. Some of you have been here for 41 years, and it sounds different, even 41 years. You're like, how does he take the same passage and make it to like, I've never heard it before, and I've been in this church for 41 years. It's amazing. He's an expert at it. However, we always need to be encouraged in prayer because it's a foundational part of our life in Christ and the kingdom of God. Friends, can I tell you, I don't think, just as we can't preach enough on the harvest, we can't preach enough on prayer. Because if I can encourage you to leave this place with a greater prayer life and a greater passion to, to pursue God and to have audience with God, then we've won the day. Can I get an amen? amen? So the four keys to an effective prayer life. Number one, are you ready? Righteousness. Righteousness. Now, what does that mean? What does righteousness mean? Now, I didn't say holiness. I said righteousness. And let me tell you what the difference is. Holiness is being set apart to God. Righteousness is being made right with God. 
Okay, so get that in your spirit. Everybody understand this. When I say, be holy, for therefore I am holy, when God says that, be holy, for I am holy, that means be set apart, be separate, be set to him. Lord, you are my God. There's no other gods. I lay no other gods before me. You are my God. I am set holy before you. You have my heart. You have my attention. You are my desire. That's holy. Righteousness is you were once a sinner and rejected by God because of your sin. God would reject me, he had to, because if God didn't reject you in the midst of your sinfulness, then he would have to accept the rebellion of the devil. So we were actually enemies of God, and even in the midst of you being an enemy of God by your choice, because of what Jesus did, he made you right with God. So holiness is being set apart, righteous is being made right with God. So now when we understand this, that one of the key essentials in in an effective prayer life is righteousness, what does that mean? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, those who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, not by your works, lest you should boast. Not just because you're a good person. See, I, I, want, I want you to hear this. Don't get mad at me. God has no obligation to respond to the prayers of those who do not belong to him. See, there's something, there's something hard about being a dad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Being a dad. Because you could have a neighbor kid. Can you imagine a neighbor kid coming up and be like, oh, sorry, I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to do that. Somebody knock for <laughs> A neighbor kid coming up to me like, hey, I want my allowance. Get out of my face. What are you trying to get? I don't got your allowance. Go get your allowance from your parents. Right? Big difference from your kids saying, hey, mom and dad, I want some food. I am in, under no obligation to give some neighbor their allowance, some neighbor kid their allowance. But I am under obligation to take care of that which belongs to me. God's under no obligation to respond to the prayers of that those who do not belong to him. Does God love people? Absolutely. But listen to this passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. How about this one? James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, here we go. We're talking about effectiveness, right? Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. So we see the first key in an effective prayer life is righteousness, meaning that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that you have made him your Lord and your Savior, and now you belong to the family of God, and now you are a position for the eyes of the Lord and the ears of the Lord to be on you. That's amazing. Righteousness. I have been made right with God. Through Jesus Christ. Pastor, how do, I, how do I walk in righteousness? We walk in righteousness through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now watch this. A lot of people 
make their perfection. They substitute perfection for relationship. Perfection does not produce relationship, but relationship produces perfection. Let me say it this way. Righteousness does not produce relationship. We say, what do you mean, pastor? You obeying every law and every command, doing all the good stuff, that doesn't produce relationship. See, the problem in the New Testament is you had people, they were called Jews, and their relationship was with the law. And they had substituted their relationship with the law to Christ. So now, all of a sudden, these people came in, and they had a relationship directly with Christ, and they're like, well, how come you haven't been circumcised yet? What's going on? What about the law? Hold, hold on, hold on. My relationship with Christ now helps me be righteous and holy. I start making right decisions, but we get it backwards. We think that our relationship with the law comes first. No, no, your relationship with Christ comes first, and that produces righteous living. That produces holy living. That produces a lifestyle of fruitfulness by the Spirit. It starts there. So every single day, instead of working on what can I do better, is how can I love him more? And I, and I know that sounds cliche, doesn't it? You're like, oh, Pastor. No, but think about that. You're with my wife. How can I love her more? How do I love her more? It's about a relationship. The second thing that we see, the second key, are you ready for the second key? How many of you guys want the second key? Faith. The second key is faith. Now, we're going to talk about this tonight. You ready? We're going we're gonna to have fun with this one tonight. Faith, I'm about to say something. I'm about, to, I'm about to say something. Some of you are going to look at me kind of weird, but just, just stick with me. Faith makes prayer work. Faith makes prayer work. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You ready? Hebrews eleven six. 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith makes prayer work. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Here we go. Matthew 21, 21. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you shall Receive anything you ask for in prayer. Faith makes prayer work. Do you truly believe that which you're praying? Do you believe that it's possible? Man, I love, I love what Dale Everett said on Sunday night. We were all watching throughout the state. It was awesome. Dealing with our faith. And sometimes we, we, our faith is all over the place. And I love what he says, it's just, Sometimes just focus. What, what, do you, what do you believe in God to do? What do you believe God can do? Now, can I say this, though? We need faith as a foundational element in our life, but faith includes persistence. See, I believe persistence is actually a work of faith, not a work of doubt. A lot of people will start preaching that persistence is a work of doubt. I believe persistence is a work of faith. See, this is what we have to do. We have to actually draw a line in the sand between repetition and persistence. 
I believe it is repetition versus persistence. Jesus deals with repetition. You see, because repetition is rooted in suspicion, in, in, uh, in superstition, sorry. Repeti- suspicion, right? Repetition is rooted in superstition. What do you mean by that? Jesus was dealing with the superstitious religiosity of that day where people actually believed by the repetitious spinning of wheels or the repetitious certain prayers that it would bring forth the miracle. That it was actually the work that God was more concerned about the work that was going on and the repetition of the spinning of the wheels. But there's a big difference. Why? The difference between repetition and persistence is persistence is a matter of faith that you're keeping your sight and your declaration on what you're believing for. I'll say that again. You're keeping your sight and your declaration on what you're believing for. Faith has a determination. And a lot of people say, well, once you pray once for something, just leave it alone. No, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. Because if you're not careful, doubt can creep in. So that's why you have to align what you see, what you're believing for, and what you're declaring with your faith. I believe I'm going to be healed. I believe I'm going to have breakthrough. I believe my children are going to come to the Lord. I believe my, my, my spouse is going to get saved. I believe that we're going to have breakthrough in this situation. See, the difference is the the. The religiosity that many times this works, if I just do this, if I just do that, if I, if I just come to this enough, if I just do that enough, God has to respond. There's a big difference between that and the persistence of saying my mouth, my eyes will continue to see, my mouth will continue to declare the goodness of the Lord. Whew. We've got to continue in faith. Number three, are you ready? You ready for the third key? What's the first key? Righteousness. What's the second key? Faith. What's the third key? Here we go. Third key is praying with God. I like this one. Did you know we get to pray with God? Anybody, not, now let me tell you something. There, growing up as a kid, I got to pray with Dr. James Morocco. You know what I'm talking And he's like... He's hardcore. Anybody ever, you guys remember the days when we had revival prayer up in the prayer chapel? And he would actually pull you by the shirt and say, get over there and pray. Because he, he gets so passionate. Yes, sir. He gets passionate when we pray. Oh! He shakes him. Shabba. Shabba. Right? He just goes for it. Some of you guys aren't laughing. Some of you are like, that boy's going to get struck by lightning. But he's passionate, man. I'm t- growing up with Dr. Morocco. I got to pray with Dr. Morocco. And he would say stuff. Then I'm like, yeah, Lord, what he said. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I just I didn't have the audacity to say what he just said. I'm just like, sure, Jesus. And as much faith as Dr. Morocco has, it pales in comparison when we join our prayers with God. You can actually pray with God. See, this is the thing. That you, there, there needs to be a shift. It's not just praying to God. I'm talking about praying with God. 
I'm talking about pray. See, friends, pray to God. That's wonderful. That's, that's, what we, that's, what, that's what Jesus has provided for you, the great, awesome, wonderful honor and privilege to be able to pray and have audience to, with God. But can I tell you, you can also pray with him. Listen to this, Romans chapter 8. You all know this passage by heart. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the, spirits, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. Now, this is amazing. We have the incredible honor and privilege to actually pray with God. That means that God can actually lead your prayer life. That's cray-cray. That means crazy in common vernacular. Anyways, that's crazy that God actually can lead my prayer life. Now, can, can, I, can we make this twofold? Number one, we have the Holy Spirit where it says that we have, he gives us words the honor, even our comprehension, these groans that we can pray. So you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Your mind may not know what it's praying about, but your spirit does. And your spirit's getting in alignment with God. And out of your mouth is coming a language that you don't understand, but it's okay. Because it's making a way where you may not see it, you may not understand it, but it's doing a work that is beyond your understanding. Come on, somebody. But it's even more than just praying in tongues. It's aligning your prayer life. It's aligning your declaration. It's aligning your words with God's word. There have been times I'm starting to pray for things. I start praying in the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden I start speaking in English. This is crazy. I start praying in English and I start praying stuff that my flesh would never dare to pray. Because my flesh just don't think that way. And the whole time, I'm like telling my flesh, shut up. That is ridiculous. But out of my mouth is coming a faith declaration that is aligned, aligned to the will and the work of God. See, friends, this is amazing. You can actually declare over your spouse. You can declare over your children. If you can tap, now watch this, watch this. If you can tap in. And actually align your prayer life with the Holy Spirit. Align your prayer life with the Lord. Something begins to happen. There will be a declaration. There will be words that you don't understand. There will be declarations that are beyond even your comprehension. That will come out of your mouth. That will begin to set the captives free. That will begin to loose an anointing. And loose a power in your life. That will be phenomenal. But you've got to learn how to align your prayer with God. How much time, I'm just going to ask you this question. How much time do you spend praying with God instead of to God? Just, just think about it for a second. During the day, five minutes, zero minutes. Can you imagine if we made it our aim? Just think about that for a moment. If we, we made it our aim, hey, you know what, Lord, tomorrow, I want to join you in prayer. I want to pray with you tomorrow. But I want you to direct my words. For some of you, it may mean just praying in the Holy Spirit. Spirit taught words. For some of you, it may mean getting out of your comfort zone. 
tapping into that faith that comes only by the Holy Spirit and, and praying some things over your life, over your situation that may seem impossible, but they're not from you. They're not from your flesh. They're not from your understanding. They're from the Holy Spirit. We get to pray with God. The last key, are you ready for the last key? We have the wonderful privilege and honor to pray with one another. Oh, this is awesome. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, I will, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Can we, I, want, I just want to read that passage one more time because I want you to get this in your spirit because we see three incredible, incredible promises that are given to us right here. I want you to see this. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I want you to write this down. Corporate prayer multiplies faith. Corporate prayer multiplies. Why is it so important to be a part of early morning prayer? Because corporate prayer, when you come to revival prayer on Sunday morning at 6 a.m., when you go to early morning prayer from 4.30 to 5.30 or 5.30 to 6.30, when you go to early morning prayer and we're praying corporately as a body, what is it doing? It's actually multiplying faith. You know how I know this? Jesus makes this radical statement. He prays for this paralytic. And he goes, whoa, what's going on here as, as these friends are dropping this dude through the roof? And you know what he does? He responds to the friend's faith. Even when the paralytic didn't have necessary, because it doesn't really talk about the paralytic's faith, Jesus responds to a friend's faith, this multiplying of faith. See, this is what happens. On my own, I have a certain level of faith. But when I begin to join my faith with somebody else's faith, our faith begins to grow, and we multiply. And that joining together starts, oh, it, makes, it starts making me crazy. When I'm joined in prayer with somebody and we're both believing for the same thing, we'll stretch our hands out toward 100 acres and be like, in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you? Listen, listen, listen. Listen, Linda, listen. There's been times I've been on that field and I'm looking at 100 acres. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know what? You can do it. And then I get in here with all you who's got this crazy faith and we're stretching our hands out. I'm like, oh, gee, it's going to happen. It's going to happen tomorrow. Because your faith impacts my faith, and my faith impacts your faith. That's why the corporate gathering is so powerful and so necessary. Why? Because we impact each other's faith. That's why when you're hanging out with somebody that's got a little bit of faith, it impacts your faith. But when you're hanging out with people that have big faith, it impacts your faith. Corporate prayer multiplies faith. How about this one? You guys are going to like this one. You ready for this? Corporate prayer applies the law of agreement. Corporate prayer applies the law of agreement. Now listen, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, Genesis, this is, this is awesome. This is God talking. Genesis eleven six. 6. 
concerning the Tower of Babel. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now hold on a second. This is God speaking this of evil people. Evil people. Can you imagine what he's saying of those who are part of the body of Christ? That's why the devil works so hard to bring disunity and divisiveness in the body of Christ. Because even the devil knows if the church gets unified, if the people of Kings Maui get unified in prayer, something's going to happen. Because now he understands, he understands the principle or the law of agreement. Man, if I can just take that husband and wife, if that husband and wife start agreeing, I'm going to be in trouble. If that family gets into agreement what they pray for and what they declare, I'm going to be in trouble. So he's going to do everything he can to disrupt your marriage, disrupt everything in your life. I'm telling you, friends, the power and the law of the principle of agreement, it is real. And when we pray corporately, mm, worldwide, did you know every single morning on Oahu, there's a group of people praying at the same time you're praying about the same stuff. And we're praying for the finances. We're praying for miracles. We're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there is a unity that I'm telling you the devil cannot divide us. We're going to see miracles because of the law of agreement. But the last one, I like this one. Corporate prayer manifests a unique anointing. Corporate prayer manifests a unique anointing. Look at that last part of the passage there. In Matthew chapter 18, what does it say? For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. You know, friends, there's been some moments I've had some incredible times with the Lord by myself. I'm telling you, just incredible times. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Oh, Lord. Kumbaya. I can care less what people think. I sing them, you know, it's, it's all good because I'm by myself. It don't matter. And that, can I tell you, there's an experience that I have. There's a unique manifestation of God's presence in my life when I'm by myself. But there's something different when we're together as a body of believers and we're worshiping together and we're praying together. And the Holy Spirit manifests his tangible presence in the house. There's something different when it happens corporately than when it happens individually. There's a unique anointing that's released through corporate prayer. Why do you think God promises that where two or more are, there he is in the midst? That means that there is a manifestation of his presence. See, what we do here is not some useless exercise. What we do here is not birthed out of tradition. It is birthed out of promise. And we've got to understand, many of us, we, want, we, we cry out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but, but we don't want to do it together. But there's a promise that's given to us with it when we're together worshiping. When we're together praying, 
can I, can I even just go one, one step further? Husband, wife, mom, dad. It's great that you pray. But something unique happens when you start praying with your spouse. Something unique happens when you start praying with your kids. There's a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit that invades the house. These, these four keys to an effective prayer life. What is it? Number one, righteousness. Number two, faith. Number three, praying with God. And number four, praying with one another. See, we got to go back to the basics. Isn't it interesting that the bedrock of the revival, the bedrock of the revival that happened in the book of Acts, the bedrock of the revival that happened in Ephesus, that happened in Galatia, that happened in Colossae, that happened in Corinth, the bedrock of revival that happened on the big island, the bedrock of revival that happened in Redding, California, the bedrock of revival has been prayer throughout the years from age to age, from the great awakening to the present day. The bedrock of revival is prayer. You're not going to have revival in your home. You're not going to have revival in your church without prayer. And we got to pray together. We got to go back to the basics. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. There's power in prayer, and God has made you effective. The righteousness he's given you. Friends, we got to get back to valuing prayer again. Amen. Holy Spirit, we need you tonight. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.